This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's that time again, everybody. Golden Edge Podcast, Adam Hill, Ben Goats. Review Journal reporters covering the Golden Knights. A lot to get into as the Golden Knights are back from a road trip. It is Tuesday as we are speaking right now from the luxurious Review Journal podcast studio. Never gets old being in here. I want to start coming here more even when we're not. To, it's just so nice and I have relaxing. a sleeping bag in my car. That's smart. Thank that is you. smart. Right over there Prepared. Uh, in the corner. Although there's all these nap pods and everything else. I don't know why you would need a sleeping bag. It's I'm This is school. the lap of luxury. It's like flying first class all the time here in the Review Journal podcast studio. So that is why we are so happy and jubilant and why we are able to bring you the number one podcast on all of iTunes yet again. And I think it's that, that way because everybody knew we were going to have Alex Tuck on this week. We do have Alex Tuck on this week. Tease, we're professionals. Yeah. Later on, you'll hear our conversation with Alex Tuck. We got to sit down and talk to him. I've already heard it, so I can tell you it's awesome. You were great. Uh, that's not true. Uh, you carried me. That's fine. And uh, we'll get to hear our conversation with Alex Tuck, a forward for the Golden Knights, who actually is playing very, very well. Uh, the team, you know, not having the results they want. They're, you know, kind of just kind of walking along they're not they're not crawling they're not running they're kind of in between it's not like they're completely falling apart they're just kind of existing right now hoping to kind of find that spark but Alex Tuck has been really really good uh, since he returned from an injury so uh, we'll hear from him a little bit later on here on the podcast but Ben you ask a good question as we get started here uh, on the Golden Edge podcast why does no one listen to us? This is why I got into journalism now, to ask these questions. People do listen to us, as we mentioned, number one podcast on all of iTunes. Absolutely. But they don't listen to us in terms of we said you need to get on a four game road trip, you need to get at least four points. And the Golden Knights didn't. They, they got clearly, two. clearly didn't listen to us. They were close to getting three because they had a third period lead in Montreal, but they still gave up two goals in the third period. So they lost in regulation. They got no points out of that Montreal game. And so all they did was beat the Ottawa Senators on this road trip. They lost at the Toronto Maple Leafs, lost at the Montreal Canadiens with that late comeback that they allowed. And then they lost on the second game of a back-to-back at the Boston Bruins, 4-1. to So it was a lot more road woes for this team. They just can't seem to get it going away from T-Mobile Arena right now. Yeah, it's been it, – it has been a bit of a struggle on the road in particular. Uh, but, you know – Again, they had chances, and we we keep discussing this. It's been a common theme of well, they were close. They played one really good period. They had a lead, looked like they were going to win in Montreal. They came out on fire, and then didn't quite you know didn't quite go their way. They they lost the lead, and then they rallied and got it back. But there's just not enough consistent stretches of hockey uh, that they've been playing. And you know, I 
I think you you sense on this team a little bit of, and you know we'll get into it with Alex Tuck that they do a good job. They did a good job all last year of hey, just the next. It's about the next shift, the next period, the next game. No looking ahead, no looking back. But I I have gotten a little bit um, of a sense from you know from being around the locker room and just you know at, when you ask certain questions and you kind of hear some of the refrain. There is a there is a lot of thinking going on, which is not a good thing. Like thinking is in most professions is probably pretty good. Like for us, we're probably we probably should be thinking. For most people that have a job out there, you should be thinking on your job. As a professional athlete, probably not the best thing to do all the time when you're thinking about, oh, we let one get away yesterday. Now we need to push extra hard to try to get a win today, and then you commit a bad turnover or make a bad pass, and you know that creeps in your head. So I think there is. I believe there is a lot of thinking going on right now with this team, which is not a good thing. Yeah, I think both on and off the ice. I thought it was very interesting. We heard Nate Schmidt talk yesterday. They're, of course, defenseman who suspended the first 20 games of the season for violating the NHL's performance-enhancing substance policy. And his kind of assessment of the team and why it's gotten out to this 7-10-1 start is that they're not playing fast. He said, that was our big thing last year. I don't see it this year. And he's like, I think that's crept into all aspects of our game. When we're not playing fast, we're not having the same effort that we want night in and night out. We're not buying in the same way in terms of, I think, doing the little hockey things like blocking shots or making effort plays to get the puck and create turnovers. We're not disciplined as we want right now. And he said all that comes back to playing fast. And I think that goes to your point of they're thinking too much on the ice and not just reacting making that pass right away, taking that shot right away, doing all those things quickly that they're supposed to be doing. Instead, they're trying to make some more fancy plays or trying to set things up in a way that they don't need to be set up, and that's leading to a lot of these breakdowns and mistakes that they didn't have last year. Well, you look at their shot percentage last year, and it was astronomical. It was off the charts, especially William Carlson. It was not. A, it didn't seem like a sustainable thing. Uh and then I think you get into this year where they're generating a ton of shots, getting more shots than their opponents. Actually, you know, you look at the, the analytics, the advanced stats for this team, and it looks really good. Like, it looks like they should be scoring a ton of goals, and they're not. And I think when that happens, as you said, the next shot that you have, you try to make it a better shot and a, a fancier shot because, well, the last one didn't go in. So maybe I need to do something different to try to get this one in. And that's that's when you start to see some of that stuff creep in. And then the other thing that Gerard Gola talked about, and if you read – our colleague Dave Shane's story, he references – cheap plug. That's a good job. That's good. That's really good. Uh, he references that uh, Gallant had said the team just needs to play with more fire. Now, that means different things to everybody, and that's kind of what Dave explored. He just asked like, several different players when Gallant says they need to play with more fire, what does that mean? And and I think they all had pretty good answers of what it meant to them. It's, as you said, blocking shots. It's, it's just making those hustle plays, those effort plays, diving – uh, you know, diving for a puck in the, to keep it in the zone and that that sort of thing that makes a difference in a game that is just it, it's not not necessarily effort uh, because I think there is efforts there but there is like a different level of just finding that fire and and I think it's something that they need to do and, and again it's not it's not time to panic but it is you know these things are starting to creep in more and more and you know it's it's you keep saying, well, it's the start. It's still early in the year. And it is. It's, it is still very early in the year. But you can't say that all year because at some point it's not going to be early anymore. Yeah, I think this comes back to what we talked about all offseason was this team had such a magical inaugural run. And all of these guys came in with this big chip on their shoulder. And Alex Tuck even mentioned in his conversation with us the Golden Misfits thing. They adopted that moniker of all these guys being kind of misfits from other teams that came together on this team and found a home. And I don't 
know if they're playing with that same passion that they had last year when it was an us-against-the-world mentality and we're going to prove everyone wrong. Well, you did do that. You reached the Stanley Cup final. So can you come back with that same intensity, that same passion, that same desire deep in your soul to prove people wrong or to prove to yourself that you're as good as you believe to be? And so it's one of those things where you just question that in the back of your head. Is that there? And that doesn't mean that they don't care now. It just can you care that extra level that you did last year, especially when you consider Gerard Gallant last year tinkered with his lineup a lot more than we've seen this year because everything was so new. So you got to move guys up and down the lineup, and guys didn't have established roles, so you weren't as worried about that pushback. Now, you know, you break up that first line. Well, those guys have been together for so long. You're going to hear pushback from that because those guys have an expectation of what my role is going to be and how I can help this team, where you didn't have that last year either. And if you follow the narrative of of last year being it's about a group of guys trying to prove everybody else wrong and, hey, we're we're the golden misfits and, you know, people didn't want us. They let us be available in the draft and they they took us and we're going to prove, you know, that we we are capable and we are good enough. Well, now you've you've got all these other teams in the league that also want to prove themselves. And then, like, everybody else is trying to get where you were last year, so you need to find the motivation to continue to play on that same – you know, at that same level and that same passion, that same fire. So, you know, I think that they're they're saying the right things. They seem to be doing the right things. And to your point of moving, you know, shaking things up, I think it was a bit of a shock the other day that, you know, the the one thing, if you're watching this team, you probably look and say, going into the season especially, right, the first line is together. They're really set. Uh, the second line has been different because there's been a lot of injuries and changes. But the fourth line guys played together last year. They had a – uh, a great uh, dimension that they brought to the game, and they're going to do that again. But that first line and the fourth line are the ones that there's really going to be no change and no difference. All of a sudden now you saw a little bit of a difference. You saw a little bit of a shakeup on that first line, which I found pretty interesting the other day in Boston. Yeah, he did uh, shake them up a little bit. I'm not as worried about that because they were right back together in practice yeah, the yeah. next day on Monday that we saw. I think Galan even said after the game, hey, I was just in desperation mode. I was trying to do – Anything And he's done that before where he's shaken up lines that they're losing big just to try to do anything to give a spark. I do think he's going to seriously consider long and hard before breaking up yeah. that trio. And I wouldn't expect it to happen. I do think it's a more interesting question of whether it should happen. As I mentioned before, you know, last year he was kind of more free to experiment, I think, because no one really had expectations for playing time coming in. Yeah. You, everyone had to kind of earn their role in everything and then this year you come back you return a lot of the same core and so that kind of expectations are there for what guys roles are going to be sometimes that's what you need though you need that message of yeah you you last year you were fighting for everything and you were earning every single minute that you got every single second you got on the ice you were earning it and then sometimes you come back this year and i'm not saying this happened i'm just saying this can happen you come back and you're like oh yeah i'm the first line right wing right you don't want to get complacent. Not, not necessarily. Like just because you did a good job at it last year, and I'm believe me, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, um, you know, point out Riley Smith or signify. I was just throwing that out there. Uh, you know, you come back and say, yeah, I'm the second line center. That's what I do. Like, no, it's not. It, if you don't earn it every single day, it's not necessarily yours. Just because you expect it and because you earned it from doing a good job last year doesn't mean that you're going to have that spot this year. So I think they're figuring out figuring out a lot of that and. Listen, I know that it's looked at as saying it's an excuse. It is it is on some level, I guess, but reasons are not necessarily excuses. And the fact that they've had so much shakeup on the second line and guys that they expected to be there, Paul Stastny being out for an extended period of time. Uh, now you've got Eric Hallow, which we don't know an update for sure. Get an uh, update tomorrow, Wednesday. We will. We should get an update tomorrow. I think there is 
you know, some fear that he's not going to be playing the season. I don't, you know, we'll find out. Uh, but it, you know, if, if he's out an extended period of time, then all of a sudden now you're shaking it up, shaking it up even more. And now you've got guys that would have been on the third line now playing on the second line. And you know, we did we detailed in the paper today that the third line has been very unproductive on both sides of the ice. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that you know guys that might not have been playing are playing on the third line, and guys that should have been on the third line are now on the second line. And you know, you, you shake it up that much. Again, excuse, I guess, but it really is more of a reason than an excuse to me. Yeah, but I do think there are things that this team could do to like shake things up. They have makes basically made one AHL call up that they've played, and that's Tomas Hika. Other than that, they've let guys like Ryan Carpenter, Oscar Lindbergh, and Tomas Nosek kind of just play. And in the case of Nosek and Carpenter, especially as you mentioned in your story, struggle, and especially on this last road trip. And they could have taken them out at any point and made a AHL call up and just see what someone else has, yeah. and they chose not to. And that was kind of interesting to me, and I'm curious as to what might be the breaking point moving forward to them, especially, as you mentioned, if Hala is out for an extended period of time and they kind of have to really decide, this is what our lineup looks like right now. Are we okay with it? I find that question very interesting. What is the breaking point? Like, Because I do think, yeah, you've got some productive players at the AHL level, you could do you just make a, a mass shake up and say you know what we're sending three guys down and bringing three guys up or we're releasing two guys and sending one down and bringing three guys up and we're going to completely change the, the dynamic does that get viewed inside the room as a panic move and that it it shakes you up in the wrong way i mean it, just because you shake things up doesn't mean it works out well sometimes you send a message it goes the wrong way cuz again this team is not 2 and 18 uh they haven't lost seven or eight games in a row or anything like that like they're just kind of kind of existing right now and you could change things up in the complete wrong direction, send the wrong message, things fall apart. You could shake it up and go on a 10-game winning streak. Like, you don't know what, what's going to happen when you shake things up. And and if you do start to make moves that are considered panic moves, that could send either or message. Uh, so we'll see what they do. Do they get into the trade market? Do they look around and see who's available? Do they try to make a big splash? Send a message that way. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that you can do. They've resisted that urge so far, but I don't know how long that continues especially now um, as, as you're coming up on the fact that you have a bunch of games in the division. You haven't played a whole lot of divisional games yet, but divisional games essentially not – I mean, it, it, we, we just kind of say that they, they can be worth four points. I mean, you could take the opportunity for somebody to get two points away and get two points of your own. They are – you know, every game counts the same in the standings, but they are bigger games when you play in the division, especially when the division is all bunched up. Yeah, this is not a good division right now. Vancouver is leading with 22 points. But they have a minus three goal differential, so they've allowed three more goals than they've scored. That was a team coming into the year I thought was going to be in for a real, real rough season. And they've certainly proved me wrong. But I do have questions about whether they can sustain it over 82 games. Everybody keeps saying that, by the way. And I I keep noticing people are saying that. And I, I agree with it. I'm not disagreeing with it. Isn't that what the exact same thing people said about the Golden Knights last year? It's true. So while I'm with you, because I agree, I agree with your point, and I agree with uh, other people I talk to's point, but be careful about, you know, if you're a fan out there saying, "Oh, they'll fall apart." Same thing people said about you as fans last year and your team last year. So I, I would be a little hesitant to say, "Well, none of this is sustainable." I think it's a whole new world. 
It's true, but I do think if you're the Golden Knights, you can't look at Vancouver as this insurmountable no, juggernaut no, at the true. top of your division. You have Calgary that's one point behind him. They just benched uh, ex-Knight fan favorite James Neal for a period. A lot of stuff going on there. A lot of stuff going on there, so you have to wonder if that's maybe going to affect them, but they've certainly played well this year. The Sharks also have 21 points. They played well the year. But then you look through the standings. The Ducks are not playing well. The Coyotes, you don't know what phase they are of their rebuilding process. The Oilers have Connor McDavid. And other things, not a lot. <laughs> not much. The Kings have already fired their head coach. So if you look at kind of the complexion of the Pacific Division, there's not a lot of scary faces out there. Probably the Sharks. But other than that, there's no one, if you're the Knights, who you should be intimidated to go into their building no. and play and try to get points and rack up points in this division to try to climb the standings. Should they just change the name to the Edmonton McDavid's? Or McDavid's I'm 1, and stuff. I'm 1,000% behind that. McDavid's and stuff. McDavid's and stuff. From now on, I think Because then that's, it sounds like a furniture store. I think that's what we're going to call them on the podcast from now on. That's that's the official name uh, of that team. And by the way, uh, I'll be in Edmonton to watch the McDavid's and stuff. Nate Schmidt's week. big return. Is Nate Schmidt Schmidt's going to go shopping at McDavid's and stuff. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very fine department store uh, up, up in Edmonton, the McDavid's and stuff. And uh, that is the name of their hockey team now uh, on this podcast. So we'll be, we'll be up there. I am... Should I? I'll use this time to ask you uh, questions about this trip. Good. Should I buy a coat? Absolutely, you okay. should. I mean, you're from the you're from the Great North, Great White North. That's okay. what I call it. Okay, that's that's probably the actual right thing. I just forgot the white part. Uh, so you're from up there. You're better than me. So you're saying buy a coat. I would probably buy a coat, maybe a scarf, some gloves. Should I go gloves or mittens? I'm more of a glove guy because okay. I like to have fingers. I, I think the mittens are an interesting look. They are. They are very. Okay. I haven't had that look since I was about five years old. It makes it tougher to type, but I think I want to go. I think I want to go like against the grain. I think I want to go mittens, maybe, and I'll, I'll definitely get like a you know a, some sort of uh, warm headgear uh, to go with. So I think stocking I, cap, nice stocking cap. Yeah, I think I'll I think I'll be prepared to go watch uh, the McDavid's and stuff when I go when I go up there. It's the forecast isn't too intimidating yet. It's like twenty. Us. Oh, that's great. That sounds That's awesome. Sounds not human or not possible. Like I don't know how life exists at that temperature. Normally, I've had to be outside in like negative thirty degree wind chill. I mean, you survive. But doesn't? Yeah, but I have I have desert blood now. Doesn't the? Doesn't like in Minneapolis? Don't they have like uh, tunnels and stuff connecting buildings? Or like, oh yeah, okay. the University of Minnesota, they're the, the Gopher Way because we're the Gophers. Okay. So oh, little, little, little Gopher so tunnels under the buildings. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's nice. It's a good system. Hopefully, they have that in Edmonton too. I don't plan on doing much besides like hotel McDavid's and stuff, Tim Hortons McDavid's and stuff. It's like a good that's itinerary. My, my entire plan up there. I think any and all travel planners would also have that on your itinerary okay. for whoever goes to Edmonton. All right. Well, we'll try to survive the trip, see if the uh, the Knights can do it. But before that, they have some home games. And as you said, divisional games coming up. That game uh, up against the James Neals, the McDavids and stuffs. That's that's this trip. They've also got a trip to Arizona. I don't know if we've changed their name yet. They're like uh, Glendale, the Glendale Coyotes uh, over at that mall. That's a cool mall too. So that's it's an interesting trip. But an opportunity in the division – for the Golden Knights to kind of turn the corner. Like these wins are bigger because they, you know, you don't have to win and hope, not that you're watching the scoreboard yet, but you don't have to win and hope the other teams lose. You can be the one that beats them and not let them get to two points. So as you said, uh, you know, a chance to do that now uh, with some of the teams around them falling apart. You don't think the Kings get a big boost uh, with their new their new coach and uh, kind of take off from here. I, they just don't seem, they don't seem like they have a whole lot there. 
Yeah, and you think the Golden Knights' offense is bad. Don't watch the Kings' offense. It was bad last year. It was bad last year in the playoffs, and it has carried over this year. So I don't – unless they can find a magical goal scorer that needed to just be prodded in, right, in the right way, I don't know. Interim coaches actually have had a fairly good time recently in the NHL. I believe seven of the last 16 have brought their teams to the playoffs. Mike Sullivan was an interim coach with the Penguins when they won the Stanley Cup a few years ago. So good things can happen. But with the way that the Kings have played so far this year, I'm not sure that it's going to happen for them. All right, so they don't like listening to us, but they have two home games and then three road games. I was going to say let's just do five. Let's do those five. What do they need out of those five? So two two games at home, then three on the road coming up before Thanksgiving. I'll it, start small and say three and two. Get three wins. Get in the plus so column. six points. Six points. Get in the plus column here. Start climbing your way back in. Once you get Nate Schmidt back, and then we'll see what they look like once they've kind of got that defensive core in a better shape than it is right now. Is that your prediction, or that's just what they need to shoot for? That's what they need to shoot for. I do okay. think they will be better with Nate Schmidt. Right now, it can't get a whole lot worse. Right now, Brad Hunt is the only defenseman they have. With a non-negative plus-minus, he's at zero. A non-negative plus-minus. I like that. No I mean, one is that's, positive. That's what, you, that's what you have to go. That's the qualifier you have to go with there. So. Uh, yeah, I, I was going to say that's that's the goal, too, six points. So we'll stick with that, six points in the next five games. Uh, an interesting trip after two home games. And as you were saying, divisional divisional games. And uh, it's that time, I think. It's the time to listen to, to get better, but it's that also that time to listen to our conversation that everybody's been waiting for. We teased it at the beginning. Because we're professionals. Uh we did get a chance to sit down with Alex Tuck. He also did a Facebook Live mailbag with us, which you could check out each and every week. You can check out the mailbag this week. A very special one with Alex Tuck joining us. You can find out all kinds of crazy things like, are any of the Golden Knights players on Tinder? That's I don't know. One. We'll find out. Who's winning, who's winning the mustache contest? Controversy sure. there. What is Alex Tuck's secret talent? All those things we found I out. I like that one. Uh, on, the, on the show. And also... Alex Tuck and another player on the team often trade movie quotes back and forth in the locker room. Who is that guy? All that stuff you can find out. Uh, watch the mailbag all the time on Facebook Live, but certainly check out this one with Alex Tuck. We got a little silly, a little goofy. It was fun, but we also had a serious conversation about hockey, and we can listen to that now as we asked Alex Tuck, what is it, what is it like to be home after a, quite a long road trip? What kind of a boost does it give you to be back home? Uh, here with Alex Tuck, forward for the Golden Knights, of course. Uh, you guys are home for a couple of games here coming up after a tough road trip. So what what kind of comfort do you guys find in kind of being home and, and returning for these games, especially with division games on the horizon that kind of count a lot more in the standings? Uh, well, first and foremost, a lot less travel. I think uh, flying all the way across the country and all the way back. I think a couple days back home before the next game really helps. And uh, honestly, I mean, you get the fans behind you. Uh, they help momentum in the biggest way possible, and our fans are some of the greatest in the league. So uh, we played against some pretty heavy fan bases too. Toronto is huge. I mean, Ottawa has been struggling fan base wise, but Montreal is a really good fan base. And then you got to go to Boston, and they're unbelievable fan base too. It's some of the best fan base in the league, and it's really hard once the fans get behind them. I mean, you don't think about it, but all that energy honestly propels you forward when you're at home. You personally are playing really well right now, and then the team, you know, the success isn't there on the scoreboard necessarily. But is it is it tough to kind of appreciate when you're playing well, but the team isn't having the results? Is is it difficult to kind of kind of process that? I don't really think about it that much. I just try to do everything I can to help my team win. 
uh, whether that be put a points in the scoreboard or block a shot or take a hit to make a play or hit somebody. It's it's all about ha team success, honestly, and that's first and foremost what starts with our own or what Bill Foley has put forth in our minds. And honestly, uh, signing that big deal not only using security but allows me to think about not my own success but team success first. Do you feel like it's like it's close? Like you know, you guys are real close. Like maybe one game could spark something. It, it, does it feel that way for you? I mean, yeah, you can't really, we're just looking at it game by game, honestly. We can't think about way too far ahead. We're not looking at playoffs. We're not looking about la looking the last year. We're looking about uh, playing our next game. What's the mood, I guess, in the locker room right now? Because you mentioned it's still a very positive, supportive group in there, despite kind of the rough road trip you guys were just on. It is still positive, but I think we are holding each other accountable, and that's what we need to do to have success is hold each other accountable and hold yourself accountable. If you're not playing well right now, you have to change something up. You have to maybe dig a little deeper, maybe change up your pregame routine, maybe do something, and um, honestly, that's that's what happens. In hockey is uh, something that's not working. You have to change something and try to be better every day. This might, might seem like a weird question, but is it is there almost like too much chemistry, like too much good chemistry? Like people get along too well, where like last year it was great, everybody was, it was successful and everybody was having a good time. And then this year, if there's if everybody gets along, does that kind of impact? Like, there's is there anybody there to say, like guys, like we, like let's get it together? Like, is that is that kind of a feeling of we all just get along too well sometimes? I don't think anyone holds back from yeah. speaking their mind in our locker room. Even I'm the youngest guy, and I, I even talk during intermissions and stuff like that, and talk to guys and. Uh, I think that's really good to have a free and open locker room. I mean, yeah. no one's really holding anything back from each other, and um, it's it's always no hard feelings. If you have an issue with someone, you can go talk to them directly, and it won't screw up your relationship because I think guys have a lot of uh, respect towards one another that do honestly come up and talk to you and say, hey, I, I, like, you need to be better. And that's the idea of holding each other accountable, and that's where I think we found so much success last year, and that's where... I think we could find a lot of success this year. How are you guys, I guess, able to create that? Because that's kind of something that sounds pretty unique in a locker room to have that kind of open and honest dialogue. Uh, it starts from our veteran group. I really do believe so. I think, um, especially with me last year, coming in as a rookie, coming in as the youngest guy, I think uh, they made it. They made me feel really comfortable. Um, they made me. They, they allowed me to express anything that I needed to express. And but at the same time. Sometimes maybe they tell me to shut up, and that, that's something that no, it, it, no, but that's good. I yeah. mean, mm -hmm. honestly, it's it's a really good dynamic that we have, and it starts with our veteran group, and then honestly, also starts with our GM who created this team, who got together a bunch of a group of guys who we called ourselves misfits, and we were able to come together under, I guess, one idea. What what was what was last year like? I mean, so young in your career to go on a run like that and to be a part of that team and to be an important part of the team. It's not like you were just there; like you you were a very important part of the team. So, I mean, what was that experience like looking back on it? It, it was unbelievable. It was life and career changing for sure. And um, I had so much fun every step of the way, honestly. And it didn't matter if I wasn't producing; maybe I'd be a little edgy. But you know what? I was still having so much fun and in the playoffs. Um, we were honestly on cloud nine. It was unbelievable experience, and uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. There's guys that play an entire career that have great careers that never get to go on a run like that. I mean, can you appreciate that being so young and like you have this whole career ahead of you? Like, oh, this is gonna, this is gonna be great. We can do this a lot. But there's guys that have never been able to experience that in their career. I think that's one of the reasons why I was so upset at the end of the run is I looked at guys like 
uh, our older guys, our veteran core, the guys that might not ever get another chance at the Stanley Cup. And I looked at them and I felt like I failed them. Um, and I think that went around the entire locker room is I think we uh, didn't play as well as we definitely could have. I don't think anyone played as well as they could have. And that was probably the saddest part about ending that run. But like I said before, it was an unbelievable experience. It was a great time. and. Uh, hopefully we can do it again real soon and uh, just finish it off. In what ways are you still looking to grow your game this year? Uh, consistency. Uh, first and foremost, trying to consistently produce, consistently play my style of hockey, that dominant, like physically dominant, drive the net, move my feet kind of hockey where I'm good down low in the corners, I'm good off the rush in front of the net and stuff like that and I try to bring that I guess, diversified power forward into the fold. Do you have a ceiling in mind for what you hope to reach in this league? I haven't really thought about it. Honestly, my, since I was probably five years old, my dad has literally driven into my mind um, <laughs> to play shift by shift and game by game. You have a bad game, you know what, think about it for five or ten minutes, move on, worry about the next game. That's such a theme of, I mean, you talk about it, uh, you know, Turk talks about it all the time. Like it's one game at a time, and last year, one shift at a time, one game at a time. And I know that you know that's something to say. Is it is it really hard to actually do that to just focus on the next thing in front of you all the time? I mean, different guys, different guys have different opinions on that. I think some guys might look at the standings more than other guys, and and other guys in the league, and maybe how they're doing points wise and stuff. And um, I mean, not everyone on our team is to produce a lot of points and that's where we have that diverse that diversity that we have to look upon yourself and each other and say hey what do I need to help um, what do I need to do to help the team win and yeah so you got a couple of home games coming up uh, a lot of these division games to focus on uh, you know certainly you get Nate Schmidt back this week um, is there is there, is there like a sense when you have like a stretch like this of, hey, we've got you know, these next 10 games, let's try to win seven of them. That goes away from what you were talking about of one, one game at a time. We but don't think you know, about that. We never do. Not at all. Nope. We're thinking about our next game. Honestly, that's what we're thinking about. There you go. Well, Alex, great, great stuff for sure. Uh, we appreciate you sitting down with us and uh, you know, look forward to uh, following not only the rest of the season, but of course your career now that you're uh, here long term and excited to have you in Las Vegas for sure, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. So good stuff from Alex Tuck there. That was awesome. We are pushing him on how hard is it to kind of think one game at a time, one shift at a time, one period of time. He said that's just his mentality. That's how he thinks. I, I don't think that way. I would be thinking about every single mistake I've ever made. Every, I would just be languishing in that. Uh, so I find that a difficult mentality. But they really Yeah, that's ha- why I stopped playing hockey I when <laughs> I was in high school. They really seem to have embraced that, though. And Alex Tuck is kind of the embodiment of that. Absolutely. And he's a guy that you can easily see this team being built around. And he, as we mentioned at the top, this is one off-season move, or I guess early-season move, that has worked out spectacularly for them. Oh, Locking him up to that extension, it already looks like it's severely undervalued what they're paying him right now, about $4.75 million starting next year yeah, long-term. Still on the rookie deal right now. But still he- on the rookie deal. So he's already underpaid, and even if he was, that extension had already kicked in, he would be underpaid with the way that he's performing right now because he has been – the absolute number one bright spot, I think, for this team so far this year. No question about it to me. He's been fantastic, and he will look to keep that up with the team as they play two home games here coming up this week, Wednesday night and Friday night, if you're listening to this, if it's already passed, 
Sorry, you've been you were late to the party, but uh, yeah, two home games and the trip on the road. They played the McDavid's and stuff, and then and then, and then the uh, the James Neal return game up in Calgary. If he plays, we don't know. We don't still, know. Uh, still a question mark about what his playing time and what's going on up there. Uh, but check out all of the details on all of those games at ReviewJournal.com. Everything you need to know about the Golden Knights from myself, Adam Hill, Ben Goats, also Dave Shane. And everybody else who contributes. Ed Graney's out there quite a bit. I know he'll be out writing some columns. He'll be on the trip as well. He's going to be up there for Nate Schmidt's debut. A big one in Edmonton, but first, the two home games. Make sure you listen to us each and every week here on the Golden Edge Podcast. We're there with you with the videos post-game for all the Golden Knights games. The mailbag segment that you want to check out on Facebook Live each and every week. Everything you need to know about the Golden Knights here at ReviewJournal.com. For Ben Goats, Adam Hill. From the Review Journal Luxurious Podcast Studios, we'll talk to you guys again real soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.